All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host, Dom, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Zach and Chase. How you guys been? It's been a while. Good. Been really good. Been a long time. Yeah. Feels good. It's good to be back. Yeah. Well, we are, you know, roughly halfway through the season for the major leagues. What are you you guys taking away from from this? Anything jump out to you? Yeah. I mean, for me, a lot of things have really stood out. For one, obviously, Holland is the biggest deal, but somehow Man City are not winning the league with the greatest goal scorer to ever grace the the land of the Prem. So that's kind of a shock to me every time I look at it and I see Holland has like 47 goals for in like three games and Arsenal is still winning the league somehow. That's a bit baffling to me sometimes. But um, I think the biggest shock to me right now is Barcelona leading the league in La Liga, even being a shamble in every cup match that has ever existed uh the league cup the super cup europa league champions league they've been horrendous all year and yet they're still managing to hold a league a lead in la liga over real madrid who obviously are are working their way through the champions league right now and probably going to demolish my chelsea in a couple of months so yeah i mean all around it's been I, i think uh one of the funnest leagues right now honestly is the bundesliga to be honest um, that title race is, has never been as close with as many teams as it is in the last couple of years. Um, and there's some real interesting title contenders going on there. So that, that's been that's been an interesting league to watch for me. As always, the Prem is, is interesting. League One is being dominated by PSG as it is every year. And yet there's still a shambles of a club when it comes to any any cup match as well. So I feel like it's been a pretty it's been a pretty um, standard season. For the most part, a lot of the same league leaders are coming out, starting to make their way through the front. But the middle of this Prem season, and even towards the beginning, I mean, we had Liverpool in 10th place at one point. We had Chelsea in ninth place, and they were kind of mounting back and forth. Um, Arsenal, I think, at one point had an eight-point lead on the league, even with Holland already at like 20 goals by January, which was astounding. So... I, I think I think at this point we're we're starting to see the teams that we expected to see dominate the leagues kind of assert their dominance. But I mean, up until this point, it was it was really anybody's game through any league in my eyes. Yeah, I'd say my biggest surprise is probably the entire top half of the prem table, one through ten, would not have predicted anyone to be where they're at, especially Chelsea in tenth with all the signings. And, you know, probably the greatest English coach of all time uh, at the helm is uh, surprising to me. But uh, yeah, Arsenal, that project came together faster and better than I ever thought it would. I didn't think the Gabriel Jesus signing was going to be as huge, but when he's healthy, he's he's really good. So if he gets back into form, then could be a race to the very end there. Um, did not expect Man United to get it together this quickly. Uh, I think I just always underestimated Casemiro because he played with always had two or three of the best midfielders of all time playing with him. It turns out he was actually just one of them as well. So fair play there. Uh, Tottenham is bottling it. That's fine. Uh, Newcastle with, you know, honestly, when they got the Saudi money, I thought, okay, they're going to just make a bunch of huge signings. But I feel like they've been fairly reasonable with their signings so far and still got a good shot at top four. Liverpool. I I mean, it turns out their midfield just aged out of being able to contend. You can't show up with Henderson, Keita, and Milner and expect to win a game in the Champions League, and they're not. So that is uh, also something. And then the other big surprise was 
Napoli pulling that far ahead in Serie A. Um, I was, if I had to bet, I would have put my money on Inter. I think they made upgrades in the right spots and they are a strong team. So I'm not sure how they've fallen this far behind. Um, those have kind of been the two standouts for me. Yeah, I I completely agree with a lot of what you said, especially the the Premier League being as as wonky as this was looking. You know, like Chase mentioned, City still being second and Arsenal being five points with Halan being fucking otherworldly. He had another hat trick yesterday against um, Burnley. It's I don't know. I think it's been a lot of injuries. As a, as a Man City fan, giving my perspective, I don't know. I I feel like. For a lot of the players, the drive just isn't there anymore. You know, you got Bernardo Silva that's made it clear that he wants to leave. You got other guys that have kind of just been there for a while. So that I, maybe they just need to change the scene. need to get some new players in. But definitely a lot of injuries on the deep side of things made it pretty tough for us. I don't know. I, I still think that we have a chance. You know, maybe I'm being a little uh, biased, but I, I like to think we have a chance. You know, yeah, it, it's hard to count this City team out, especially looking at how impressive Arsenal has been. I don't know. I still see them as a really young team. So I I, I take Pep and Man City's experience in a title race, how good this are. But I, I'm kind of disappointed in Chelsea, to be honest with you. you, know, you guys spend, what, like a billion pounds in the in the summer transfer window and all the finish 10th. I, I feel like that's kind of surprising. I think Newcastle has been a lot better than I, I. I figured at this point, this far since the transfer, or not transfer, the takeover, they'd be probably about where Chelsea or Aston Villa is, you know, right at the mid-table. I didn't I honestly think they could finish fourth. I have no faith in Tottenham uh, to, to finish top four. I think Newcastle can can honestly do it. I think Liverpool's too old. But I am kind of impressed with Brentford as well. You know, To see a team that's only been in the Premier League for a couple of years, they've been really impressive. Uh, sitting at eighth right now, they're pretty solidly mid-table. I don't see them really fall. I think what happened there is that Tony bet 10 bucks that they would finish top eight. So now he's going to ball out to make sure he gets that money before he's suspended for a few years. <laughs> What do you guys think of Everton right now? I'm looking at I'm looking at the table. They're sitting 15th. At one point, they were in the relegation zone. Um, do you, do you see a lot of changes coming with the club this upcoming off season, or, or are they just perpetually just lower to mid? I feel like I feel like I've uh, I've spoken my share about teams that I think are um, I've written off in the past. Uh, one of our last podcasts, we were talking about Newcastle right when the takeover was taking place. And I think we all wrote them off, said that they might barely stay up and uh, it would take a couple of years. They turned that they turned that around real quick, real quick. Yeah. Same with Man United and things like that. So I have a hard place in um, saying my thoughts on what Everton's going to do. I think Son Deitch has is, is, is turned the team into Burnley Ball. So Burnley Ball will keep me in the brim. Um, as it's shown, it's some of the most boring football to ever watch. But, you know, if you can stay up in the Premier League, um, I think I've, I've seen a lot of rumors of some of the players that make Everton. Everton kind of not really happy to be there right now on their way out. So rumored to be on their way out. So I, I don't know what's going to keep Everton around, keep Everton bringing in players or even bringing up players through an academy to bring them back to even a top 10 position within the next couple of years. I think they're going to, I think they're going to stay towards the bottom side of the prem until they can figure out what's going on outside of everything, because obviously the manager plays a big part in what kind of football you're playing, but you've got to have it in your players too. And you've got to have players that want to come. And I'm not saying that they, I mean, they've only got, they've got a couple of good players on their squad, but they don't have, what they used to have. They don't have the name behind Everton that they did. And I don't think Everton carries the name 
into this generation as much as it would have, you know, eight to 15 years ago. So a lot of players that even would consider going to another club, especially with the situation that Everton's in, I just don't see them bringing in a whole lot. So they're going to really have to rely on the players that are dug in there right now. Some of those players are getting a little old and some of them are a little younger and we're already there. And they're like, you know, I want to compete for something. And if we're not going to compete, then I'm going to leave. So I think they're, they're pretty hard lucked right now uh, in the position that they're in. Yeah. I'd say I agree with most of that. The bottom nine are all separated by four points. So uh, I mean, any anything could still happen down there, but bringing in Sean Deitch, I think, is a clear message of what we're trying to do right now is stay up. And, you know, long term, you can keep him for a few years and pretty much guarantee that you're going to stay in. But at that point, uh, like you said, Chase, you're not really building towards anything in the future, which it's not that long ago. They had Ancelotti and brought in James Rodriguez to kind of try and revive and like make a push towards the top half of the table, which didn't really pan out. Um and then brought in Deli Ali, loaned him out to the Turkish league where he's riding the bench now. So, yeah, I think it really just comes down to, and the move of getting Sean Dyche kind of shows the realism of like, all right, we're aware of what like priorities, like we can't like try and be this big club that we historically are and try and make these big moves. We're just going to stay up. And if they can do that for two to three years while they think about the kind of philosophy they want to have and inject that into the youth program and inject that into their transfer strategy, then two to three years from now, I would say could make a could make a comeback to where we would like to see them. But um, I don't think they're going to be going down anytime soon. So moving things over to Syria with another team that's kind of uh, fallen on some hard times, Juventus. Do you guys think that they're done as as a big club or things have been kind of bad for them so far? So, yeah. Think? As as a as a Roma fan and a, an avid Serie A watcher, unfortunately, they are not going anywhere. Um, dominated the league for too long. Within our lifetime, have been automatically relegated for financial shenanigans. Made it right back up and won leagues again. So I think they're just the biggest Serie A club and always will be. Unfortunately, um, and even with like getting 15 points deducted, if you take that away, they're second place by uh, like three to four points. So they have the players. They're always going to have the players. I mean, look no further than when Ronaldo was leaving Madrid, he went to Juventus. So like they're next tier down from like the very, very big clubs, but very close to those. If you ask me, as far as pedigree goes, um, they could win out the rest of this league and still get to a European spot. I expect them to at least be in the Europa League. I'm not ruling them out for a top four spot. So I think they're going to bounce right back as long as no more financial stuff is uncovered to the point to where they can't sign players. That's the only thing. Players will always go there unless they get like a couple of years of a transfer ban or anything like that. That could definitely affect them. Um, but yeah, barring that, I think they're going to at least make the Europa League this year and sign some more big names next year and be right back where everyone expects them to be. Yeah, I, I was going to go along the same route. I mean, barring the 15-point deduction, they're still only six points off of a, a playing spot to play in Europe. They just – they have the players. They have what they need. Um, they have the mentality. Unfortunately, the board doesn't, which sucks. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I like to see it. And even when it comes to – I'm sorry. Give me one second. You're good. And they've got a decent chance even of winning the Europa League. That's another way they could get back to Champions League. Yeah, and um, 
I, I mean, my my biggest thing with the league and any league when it comes to it is the fall of grace of one of the league dominant performers is always something that's exciting to see as a football fan. Even if you're a fan of that club specifically, maybe not, but it's still nice to see a little bit of competition going into the clubs. It, when it comes to any sport, you don't want to see just one person, one team just dominating every year over and over and over again, just like any team Tom Brady played on, you know, it's a little boring after a while. So, and it's interesting to see. I mean, even when you look at the seasons beforehand, I mean, Juventus were not Juventus. They'd not really been playing like themselves in the league. Um, they'd still had a, a stranglehold on those top twos, top three places, but uh, I don't know. They're just, they're just a team that's unfortunately born to win, but born to put their money where it shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, I think going off of, you know, what you just said, Chase, looking at the German Bundesliga, you look at it, a league that's, that's competitive right now. I think you mentioned this earlier, but this is the most competitive that I've ever seen the German Bundesliga. Do you guys think that Dortmund actually has a or is it going to be Bayern for, what, the 15th? Man, I, I want to say that there's a chance, but realistically, I just don't know. I think Dortmund did so, so well um, with the departure of Holland. I think they put money exactly where it needed to go um and even with a lot of injuries have been able to you know, obviously stay within a point and two points the entire season um i think uh Malin has been stepping it up more so than this previous season haller since coming back has been uh very effective guerrero's having a great season royce for like the three games of season that he's healthy is playing great so <clears throat> it's looking like they want to make this push and there's nothing else to play for Whereas Bayern, obviously, with the Champions League draw, has the hardest possible way to the final. After already having to play PSG, now has to play Man City. If they win, that has to play either Real Madrid or Chelsea. So they're going to have split focus. Now, obviously, <laughs> their bench is deep. Uh, I think I think it was Mourinho that said something about like, oh, yeah, I was watching that Champions League game and they brought in Mane, Sané, and Cancelo off the bench. I'd love to have any one of those in my starting eleven. So... Bayern's depth is just, it's going to end up being so, so clutch towards the, I think it's going to be enough and they'll probably win it by seven, eight points. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. As much as I would love to see Dortmund finally win the league for the first time in, I mean, 11 or 12 years, it would. I, I just don't think they have it in them to keep that push going. And unfortunately, as many times as you can say, that Bayern's going to have split focus, whether they're in the League Cup, in the Champions League, and they're pushing for the league. I mean, they just do it every year over and over and over again. And they don't always win every trophy, but they always make a push. And they're always hard in every competition. So, I mean, that's just a credit to the team and the depth that they have. And uh, But at just the league in general, I mean, the top five spots are separated by eight points. Um, I mean, Union Berlin was up there at the top of the league for like a couple of weeks. So. It's been interesting to watch. I mean, RB Leipzig last year was in like a mid-table position, brought back Turbo Timo from good old Chelsea. And now look at them. They're, they're thriving in the Champions League spot. So He um, found his scoring boots again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't Something about the German grass. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it's just nice to see. It's nice to see a league that isn't completely overrun. And, and it's weird to say that, though, as well, because – in the flip side of things, in Serie A, it's, it's crazy to watch Napoli pull away with this lead. And it's just, it's kind of nice to see 
another team just absolutely dominate that's been – I mean, they've been a good team throughout the years, but they've never been the way that they've been now. And the, the two signings that they brought in for their front three have just been outstanding. And it's been incredible to watch, and I don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to them because every big team's going to be looking at them the next couple of years. But um, I, I, it's just all around there's a lot of good football going on. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just been a great year. It's been a great year. I think the Champions League is going to be – interesting it's a little unfortunate the way that the draw played out one side of things kind of seems to have it a little bit more difficult than the other side but that's no discredit to the other teams um that are in the draw i think napoli is going to be a tough side to beat for anybody um so it all around it's looking like a great year now that you said that i do want to emphasize just how good quaracella quaradona is i saw the hype after the first couple of games i'm like all right let me watch some napoli games Good Lord, <laughs> he's out of nowhere. So they're scouting on point. I think Ozzyman's gone after this year. I would assume fraticello has gone after this year or the next. But yeah, he's he's actually no joke. He's he's going to have a great career. Agreed. So looking at the Champions League now, what do you guys think of the draw? What are your predictions uh, for the rest of the? Yeah, um, I mean, for me, it's going to be a Bayern Napoli final. Um, I, I don't really see it any other way right now, unfortunately. Um, I think if if Man City can get past Bayern, I think they can find a way to beat. They can obviously beat Chelsea. Anybody can beat Chelsea right now. I don't know how we made it past Dortmund. It's been a shambles of a season. So I think Real Madrid pretty much locked up. And that Man City-Bayern game is going to dictate who wins the Champions League for me. I think whatever team wins that game and comes out is going to be the stronger team and prepared to beat Madrid and prepared to beat whoever they face in the final. Um, it's a little crazy to me to think about that there's three Serie A teams um, this late into the Champions League. It's not something that you see very often, so that's nice. We also have a Liga Portugal team in Benfica who's kind of been written off, but I think they stand a good chance against Inter. I think they stand a really good chance against Inter, actually. Inter's kind of not been playing their best ball recently. They've not really been finding the net a whole lot. They've been playing good defense as they do, but um, Benfica's, Benfica's hot. They just absolutely demolished Club Bruges. So um, I, I don't know. I'm excited. But I think for me, I'm looking at a Bayern Munich-Napoli final, and I think Bayern would take that pretty easy. Uh, that's barring if they can get past Man City. I think Holland has a, a vendetta out to finally get something back at Bayern. And I think if there's any team that's going to do it, it's going to be this team right here. But everybody in Man City is going to need to be fit, peak performance, and they're going to need to put all their dedication into this match, which is probably going to end up losing them a little bit in the league. Um, so depends on where Pump Pep wants to go with that. In my eyes, I think he still wants to do. He wants to have that title under him where he can do everything. But unfortunately, in my eyes, I think Man City just doesn't have it in them right now to focus on both. I think they need to decide which route they're going to go with this year. They've got a five-point disadvantage in the league. They haven't won the Champions League. They've got Bayern Munich coming up, who's hot, destroying everybody, playing amazing defense, except for in the league for some reason. Um, and I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough, but I think whoever wins that wins the Champions League. I think that's... Yeah, I I think from a, a Man City fan perspective, it, it seems like this team sometimes isn't focused 100%. Uh, I see that a lot in the league, you know, the, hence why we can go from, you know, winning 3-0 in Champions League, but then drawing against Burnmouth. Um, 
you know, it, it's definitely going to take a, a full team effort, and I don't think we have the squad depth of, of previous years. Kyle Walker's been in and out of the lineup. We don't have Cancelo anymore. Um, we, we've had to move Ake over to left back, and he's kind of taken over that role, but we don't have Zinchenko anymore. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of players that we relied on as, as rotational pieces that we kind of overlooked or didn't really think anything of when we let them go. But now we're relying on, you know, Cole, uh, Cole Palmer or, you know, other guys that are 17, 18 years old just being called up to fill in at some key positions. So I think if I'm Pep, I'm, my focus is solely on the team. We won the Premier League what, four out of the last five years. I, I say we go all in for the Let Arsenal win it this year off-season, bring in some other pieces to fill out the rest of the rotation, and I, I think you'd be happy with it. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for that matchup because I do think, um, looking at the PSG game, Man City is strong where, in a lot of spots where PSG was weak, that lost in the game. I think the biggest one is the midfield. PSG's midfield on that level of Champions League is not able to compete. So you you have Goretzka and Kimmich absolutely running the game, passing wherever they want, and then when they're defending, you had Messi dropping back to midfield to try and make anything happen. And then he got Goretzka, who's got like probably like 150 pounds of pure muscle on him, just shoving him off the ball. So you're looking at Man City midfield that is um, with players like Gundogan, very familiar with Bayern and how they play and very familiar with the individuals. And obviously De Bruyne, who is who can pick out any pass he wants. So you have a midfield that can actually um, compete, at least offensively. Defensively, it might be a little tougher. And then uh, I think the other thing you got to do against Bayern is contain the fullbacks, especially now with Cancelo. Um, Davies was in the opponent's box more than in his own in both PSG ties. So it's just you got to do something about stopping the play down the wings. You got to do something about the midfield. And I think Man City's more equipped to do that. So I'm I'm looking forward. I, I can't call that one one way or the other. Um, as far as the other ties go, I think there's a decent chance Napoli makes a run to a final. And that's that's the brilliant thing about a team like that making the final. They could beat anyone once. I think over a two-leg tie against Bayern or against Man City or even against Real Madrid and Chelsea, they would be hard-pressed. But I think in a one-off, they're well-coached. They're passionate. They could beat anyone in a one-off game, uh, which would be very, very exciting. Not ruling out Benfica. I think they've got their league locked down by like eight or nine points by now. So they can kind of focus on um, the Champions League as well. Um Love both the Milan teams. Don't see them making it very far. And then the, the other ones are just, you know, storyline teams. You can't ever count out Chelsea or Madrid. Chelsea uh, has nothing else to play for unless they keep losing and end up in a relegation battle, which is unlikely, but they're not getting top four. So this is their path to the Champions League. And then Madrid's Madrid, for some reason, they could win it five times in a row and they'll still get up and play as if they've never won it before and they need this trophy more than anything else. So yeah, I'm not going to rule it out, but if I had to put money down, I'd say it's it's the Man City Bayern game, and that decides the winner. I I think I agree with that, and I'm you know, obviously hoping for Man City, but it's Bayern, so not really feeling too confident about it. it makes me kind of nervous to go up against them. I'd much rather be going up against Chelsea or Benfica. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're a good team, okay. What I'll say about Bayern is even in the past couple of years, they've looked more beatable than they ever have before. So I think that bodes well for the mentality of anybody that's going to face them. I think PSG was just a terrible example. PSG is always a terrible example when it comes to anything. They just don't, as much as I love Messi and I love watching, you know, everybody loves watching the front three. You know, it's just, it's a terrible, 
terrible chemistry between that team and they don't play like a team. Um, and, and it's just, it's terrible to watch as good as they should be. I think Bayern only beating them three nil. I, I personally expected more from them from Bayern. I think they probably went into it knowing we can beat them, not playing our best team or, or, or even our best game. And they still did. Um, they, they did beat them three nil. Um, but I, I mean, in any game that you watch Bayern, um, this year, if you do watch them in the league, in the Champions League, I think they they don't look as unstoppable as they have in years past. Um, I don't know if it's coaching or if it's the mentality of the players, but um, they're definitely a tough team. They're always a tough team. They always play tough. Um, but I, I think if there's any year to do it, I think Man City needs to do it this year with Holland in the form that he's in before maybe you lose a couple of key players in your starting positions, before you get a couple more injuries, you need to take out Bayern and you're going to need to take out Real Madrid, which is going to be probably in my eyes, the toughest test, just because this is Real Madrid's competition, no matter what anybody says. Um, And you experienced that full and well last year in the 93rd minute. So (laughs) that hurt. That hurt. Yeah. Yeah, well, that I mean, was e- did, even so. if even if we don't get it this year, you know, we'll just bring in Jude Bellingham the off season, and you know, even if we lose <laughs> Bernardo Silva, and you can't you keep know, spending four hundred million dollars on two players. You need okay. to you, you need spend to, you need like to follow a billion the dollars on way. follow the Chelsea way. Buy fourteen players for a billion dollars, and you're in. Uh, are you? <laughs> I, we're here. We're in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else you guys wanted to? to bring up uh i mean I, I there's so much that we could talk about there's so much that's that's happened since we've been gone i mean players have i don't know we could talk about so much we could go on all day i think the biggest news story for me is halan can't do it in the prem and mbappe is a piece of shit and <laughs> that's just how i think it's gonna play out for the rest of their careers and i hope it does um the more and more i watch mbappe the more i hate him the more and more i watch halan the more i love him even though he plays for your dog club. So, yeah, I will say in hindsight, I'm so, so happy that everyone looks like an idiot who even questioned it. It's not just like, oh, he can do it in the Prem. He can score like 15 to 20 goals his first year. No, he could break the goal scoring record in his first year if he really feels like it. And a lot of it is obviously the service he's getting. He's got some of the best playmakers helping him out, but it's just always the perfect position. It's, it's every kind of goal. There's not, you could get it to him at the edge of the box and he can push past someone and score. Most of the time he just is standing somewhere and it just happens to be where the ball goes. And it, any like left foot, right foot, header, shoulder, whatever needs to do, he's going to score goals. It's just a joy to watch. Um, I think it's going to continue. I hope he stays at Man City for a few years and then tries the next league and the next league just to kind of prove everyone. Yeah, I am that guy. So Huge highlight for me this year. Hope it continues. I agree. And hopefully he stays at Man City for, you know, more than a so. <laughs> Of course. The next Sergio Aguero for you. He'll end up at Barca when he's 35 and then retire of a heart attack. But one thing, <laughs> one thing I want to say off of what Zach just said is a lot of people criticize Halan for scoring tap-ins. I see it all the time in comment sections for anything. There's so many strikers out there that don't have the awareness or the positioning to even be in that position to score that many tap-ins. Those, those opportunities are there 10 to 15 times a game. 
And sometimes your strikers on the edge of the box waiting for a cross, and then it just happens to skirt across the front of the goal. You have to have the positioning to be the best striker in the world. And Holanda has everything he needs to be that guy. I don't care if he scores 700 tap-ins in his career, never scores a goal from outside of the box. That's still an amazing career to have that positioning, to be in the spot where that ball is going to be, even if it's by happenstance. Because like you said, it doesn't matter what he's going to shoot with. He has the skill. He has the power. He has the physicalness to get past anybody, to blast that ball into the roof of the net, to the side, to slot it into the corner. It doesn't matter. As long as he's in the position where the ball is and he touches it, 98% of the time it's going in. And that's what I love about him. It's the positioning for me. I don't care if he's he's not the next Messi. He's not the next Ronaldo. He plays Holland, you know, and he plays exactly how he needs to play. He fits so perfectly into that system. I think he could fit into any system watching him play under Pep the way that he plays. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know. That's the biggest story for me this year, and I think it'll be continue to be the biggest story for the next couple of years. And I'm, I'm I love it. Yeah, the positioning is huge. I mean, take away the the strength, a lot of the skill, and pretty much all of the speed. And you have Ed and Jekko, who managed to be the top scorer in three leagues just with positioning and nothing else. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's you the key part. Always find a way to mention Ed and Jekko. <laughs> Look, he's not talked about enough. <laughs> I think that signals the end for me there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, one last topic that that I just thought of. Um, how big of a, a move do you think Ronaldo making over to um, Saudi Arabia? Do you think that's indicative of where football is going, or is it kind of just like a one-off? I'm at the end of my career. They're going to pay me a billion dollars. I mean, and just go play for money. He's 38. What? 38, 39. I- I mean, there's some players out there like Zlatan who's, you know, still playing for a top club, but he's not really playing. I mean, he gets 10 to 15 minutes a match and Ronaldo was, you know, he's Ronaldo. He's always going to have the worth ethic. He's always going to have the mindset. He's always going to have the skill in his feet, but sometimes your body just can't keep up. You can't play the same that you always used to play, depending on what kind of type of manager comes in, i.e. Ten Hag. Sometimes you just don't stylistically match up with the type of game that he wants to play. And I'm not going to disagree. I thought he had an amazing season when he came back to Man United. Obviously, the team was in shambles. He got blamed for a lot of things. That's just how the media is. But I do think that Ronaldo making that move is a lot of his ego saying that I still need to play 90 minutes. I think he could play for any top club anywhere in the world for 10 to 15 minutes a game. But that's all he's going to get from anybody. And I don't think it has anything to do with his ability or his work ethic or his performances on the pitch. I just think a lot of managers don't see that play style fitting into the way or the type of football that's being played anymore. So I think he realized that, especially when he spent, you know, a couple of transfer windows reaching to everybody, everybody, and nobody wanted him. I mean, I thought he was going to come to Chelsea. I really did. I thought Grand Potter was going to be like, yeah, 80 mil, let's make it happen. But, you know, he, he wants to play football. I don't think it has anything other to do with, you know, he realized he could still play 90 minutes there. They're going to play him a crazy amount of money. He's got it in his mindset to still play. You see the clips on Instagram every now and again of him still very passionate about the game. I don't think it has anything to do with anything other than just him wanting to play 90 minutes and still wanting to get paid for it. So, uh, you know, I don't hate the move. I hate the way the media construes everything, but I'm happy with it. Yeah. I think play style wise, the reason he didn't end up at a Champions League team in Europe is just that they had to assess 
um, play style wise, what's the cost and what's the worst? The cost is he's going to demand to start play 90 minutes and you have to play that certain style of football. And in the past, what you would get for that was tons of goals, (laughs) guaranteed uh, trophies. You're not guaranteed that anymore just because he's, yeah, he's pushing 40 at at some point. That's just not a guarantee anymore. And he's not going to sacrifice and just come off the bench for the last 20 minutes, which I think he will do going forward for Portugal. And that's going to be really, really valuable. Um, As far as what this move indicates for the future, um, if other players will replicate it. I mean, I remember a few, well, a few, it's probably like five to 10 years ago now, the Chinese Super League was trying to do similar moves where they would pay huge amounts of money to players that were still in their prime, like uh, Oscar was a big one, El Sharavi was another one. But now all those clubs are bankrupt, like the league is having a major crisis and might have to shut down. So is it going to be sustainable? How many people are tuning into Saudi league games now that the novelty of is worn off? Like I watched the first game and I haven't tuned in since and I don't even look at scores. If I see a Ronaldo highlight, great. You just scored a free kick yesterday. Yay. I'm not going to watch your league. I'm so sorry. So I don't know. They have enough money, obviously, to replicate this move and bring in a few other players. Um, I mean, they've been in talks with like Modric, Royce, Kaylor Navas, like a, a lot of like the older players that might be ready for a little retirement league. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to garner too much international attention. I kind of hope you're right. I I don't like seeing leagues that just get all this money and kind of try to recreate what the Chinese. And it, to me, it's just kind of not and not, not a good way to, to grow your. League. So I hope you're right. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of see a lot of older players go over to the MLS at the end of their career and kind of dominate. I don't have, have a problem with that really. Not really in their prime. They're kind of just playing to play. Hopefully they just keep coming over to and grow the. Yeah. I, I like, I like that model a lot better than I've liked any of the other models that have tried to been implemented, like the Chinese super league league, or even, you know, the Saudi league that's trying to get into everything. And you see all these rumors flying around of they're paying Marcelo. They want to pay Marcelo like, 90 million dollars a year to come play he's like 37 and got dropped from the <laughs> olympiacos team because he was too fat i mean it's been <laughs> just the the system that's been in place with the mls has has worked for so many players throughout the year it's helped develop the mls there's a lot of even youngsters coming up in the mls teams and the academies that are being linked with big teams in europe nowadays and i think it's it's good to bring if it ain't broke don't fix it i think it's it's great you know, if you want to retire in Europe, you retire in Europe. I don't think it hurts anybody to come to the MLS. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of big stars that have in the past that have even come back. And you know, I mean, Zlatan, Beckham, um, Schweinsteiger came over here. Uh, you know, it's been you know I, I I think it's been amazing for the MLS to to continue to do that. And I think a lot of players will continue to follow that format. Um, obviously, you're going to have some players that have too big of an ego like Ronaldo, and they're going to go, I deserve to play 90 minutes and I deserve to have the biggest paycheck of my life, but it's not like they're underpaid here. You know, we paid these stars good money. We have a terrible cap system in place, which I completely disagree with for this sport, but there's nothing really to be done about that. So um, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I think they should continue to, you know, roll over to the MLS if they want to do retirement here, collect a payday. You're still probably going to play 45 to 90 minutes, no matter what team you get into just because of your name and it's going to draw people in, even if you're not even worth playing anymore. I think yeah. that would have been a better move for Ronaldo because there's a lot of eyes on the MLS these days and there's, there's Saudi eyes on the Saudi league. And that's, 
you know, there's there's a lot of them, but there's a lot of people that have easy access to the MLS as well. Well, well and, and the, the youth development. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, the, the MLS is still a league that's still trying to, to add teams. They're still growing. So if you're, you know, a multimillionaire, you know, football superstar from Europe, retire over here, be like uh, David Beckham, start a, start a team, maybe not, you know, another Miami team, but you could start a team somewhere and just collect all that money owning a team and help grow the league. I think it's a good career move. That's just yeah. I mean, that's the rumor for Messi right now as well. If he does come to the MLS, it will be a similar deal to David Beckham where you get a fixed buy-in price for a future team. So you're kind of you're setting yourself up for a career that's probably very interesting to you if all you know and all you've done your entire life is football. Continuing that guaranteed at a low buy-in price is probably very attractive. And I like what you said about the youth development too, Chase, because let's say you do get a Ronaldo at an MLS team. Now that is going to be the number one youth academy in the entire country. And the thing is, the U.S. Youth Academies attract a lot of Central and South American talent, uh, specifically Central American. There are so many ballers in Mexico, in Puerto Rico, in Costa Rica, all over the place, and they they gravitate towards the MLS Academies. Um, so the more that you can kind of promote those, and an easy way to promote it is bringing in a big star who can make appearances in training camps and do stuff like that. Like, that's massive. And then you're starting to get more of the South American talent as well, some of the Argentinian, Brazilian Chilean, like all those people, MLS youth academies, hopefully will become the first place they go to instead of flying across the ocean to the Portuguese league, or if they're really, really good, get scouted by La Liga. So I think that for the future of the MLS, making sure that you are destination number one for those talents is going to be massive. Yeah. And I think you sent me a link the other day that, you know, Bayern Munich is having a link up with LAFC's training academy. I think it was LAFC. It was, so yeah. They have a good open door policy that they're implementing between those two academies. And I mean, that's Bayern Munich. That's one of the biggest clubs in Europe, the biggest club in Germany. I, I mean, that's huge. That's huge, not only for the MLS, but for the players in the MLS. I think, I don't know. I, I always I always thought Ronaldo was going to end up in another Champions League team. But as time drew on and time drew on, it is what it is, but I'm excited for the MLS in the future. I'm excited for Ronaldo. He's collecting his money. He's going to retire. He's probably going to retire over there. If he doesn't, I think the next step logistically for him after a year, year and a half, he's going to get tired over there, realizing he's not getting much attention. I think he will realize that if he comes over to the MLS, he could get a lot of attention and he could start that chain reaction. And I think that would be massive. And we're talking in a year and a year and a half. I mean, Messi doesn't want to play that much longer in Europe. He said it. He he's, he'll play for the national team. He's gonna be in the Euro squad or the the Copa Libertadores squad. Um, Copa America. The Copa America. <laughs> I hope he's not playing in Copa Libertadores. <laughs> Every time I think of Argentina, I think of the Copa Libertadores anymore. <laughs> Such an amazing cup that just happens for no reason at any point. Um, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know. I, I think that would be if we could get the two biggest stars to ever play the game over into the MLS at two separate academies, get them the buy-in clause like Beckham had, start a couple of startup teams. I mean, you're talking complete and utter transformation. You're talking you're set for life for money. You probably already were from your playing days. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential over here in the MLS still. A lot, a lot of potential. And I hope that Ronaldo decides to do something like that maybe start his own team somewhere. I don't know what his plan is, probably just stockpile his money and 
post underwear pictures on Instagram, but <clears throat> you know, I I'm I'm happy where things are right now. I don't hate the Ronaldo move. I think Messi's gonna do the same thing, but I think instead of choosing a league like that, I think he'll end up in the MLS. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up everything that that I had planned for the episode. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? I think that's about it. Cool. All right. Well, it was good to be back. We'll definitely have to do this again soon. But thanks, everyone, for listening. This was another episode of On the Pitch. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of On the Pitch. Make sure to follow On the Pitch Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you in the next one.